God wants every one of us to take a step of faith to the other side, to step out of the place of fear and insecurity and into a life of adventure, taking risks in faith, being fully alive. We're in this series we're calling The Circus of Life because it's just too easy to get caught up in this circus of selfishness that is our culture today and miss out on the greatest show on earth, God's purpose for your life. Now, in the circuses of the early 1900s, there was always a strong man who would astound the audience with these superhuman feats of strength, like lifting huge barbells over their head or lifting up tables with 10 or 11 or 12 people on the table or bending iron bars. There was even one guy who would catch a cannonball fired at him at point blank range. Now, I said these were strong men, not smart men. They did some pretty stupid things. But I have to say that in those circuses, it really wasn't a circus without the strong man. And in the circus of life, we desperately need strong men who have the courage to take a step from the side of fear to the side of faith. We desperately today in our culture need strong men who will step out of selfishness into serving others. And we desperately need strong men with the guts to stop following the crowd and start following Christ. We need strong men who'll stop following after their lusts and follow after the Lord. And I know that God created every man with this deep desire to feel strong, to feel significant, to feel like their life matters. God created every woman with a deep desire to feel beautiful, treasured, and cherished. The problem is we both look into the distorted mirror of our culture. It's kind of like the funhouse mirror on the midway in the circus. Those mirrors distort your reflection. And the mirror of our culture has distorted the reflection of true beauty and true strength. And so we've bought a myth most men, though, in fact, God created all men to have this deep desire to feel strong, truly strong, significant, that their life really means something. But because of our brokenness and sin, every one of us on the inside feel insecure, fearful, and weak. But we have such a desire to feel strong that we'll put on this facade of false strength we would rather look strong than actually be truly strong. So we put on this facade of false strength and it comes in many different forms. Sometimes we put on the facade of false strength through success. And nothing wrong with success, it's just, it's not real strength. In fact, studies have shown the more successful you are, the more insecure you are. You see, every one of us deep down feel this insecurity and this weakness we feel this fear, and I think for most men today, the way I could best describe it is, we feel like we just don't have what it takes. If you really know me, if I drop my facade of false strength, then you'll see that I'm insecure and wonder if I really have what it takes. Most women, deep down, feel like they're just not enough and they'll never be enough. And that's because we're looking at this distorted image that gives a, a distorted reflection from our culture of what true beauty and true strength is. And so, so many times we put on this false sense of strength. 
We'd rather look strong than be strong. We put on a facade of false strength, and maybe it's outward appearance or it's power or it's success. But the problem with that facade of false strength is that it's like armor. It's so heavy that it wears you out trying to look strong all the time. It also keeps you from connecting to the people closest to you. Because it's false strength, we build weak and fragile relationships today that aren't built on real strength and real love. And so we put on this facade of false strength and it just wears us out. We're wearing that heavy armor and that facade all the time. We don't know how to take it off and really connect with the people closest to us. And then it keeps us from risking and growing and changing because we're afraid we'll look weak if we step out and we risk. We don't wanna feel awkward. In fact, men really wanna feel competent. We don't like to try things that we don't feel like we'll be competent in because we don't wanna reveal that we could be weak. We wanna look like we've got it all together. And that's why a lot of guys stay out of the spiritual stuff, you know, because they've never really done that, and so they're afraid they'll be incompetent at that, and they just leave it to their wives. You know, she does the spiritual stuff. You know, I'm pretty good at business and, I, and golf, but I'm not really great at the spiritual stuff. You know, I'll come to church with her, but she's, she's more spiritual than me. She'll do the spiritual stuff, and it's just a cop-out. The only way you can really be strong is to admit your weaknesses and insecurities and what you're not good at so you can step in faith and feel God's power and strength. You have to risk awkwardness. But we're more interested in looking strong than actually being strong. Now, I have up here a test of strength. And this test of strength is known as the the hammer and the bell in the carnival or in the circus. And we've got a couple of them out there on the midway in the plaza. So after the service, go out there and have some fun. Try it out. I know a lot of you guys will want to try it out. But I know there'll be some of you that won't want to try it because you'll be afraid you're going to look weak. Okay? And you've never done it before and you're just afraid you're going to look weak. So I'm going to go ahead and break it in for you and look really weak and humiliate myself in front of you so you'll feel more confident. How about that? Because we want to look strong. And so I'm going to take the sledgehammer. I'm already looking weak, unfortunately. That's really heavy. And I'm going to put my mic down so it won't pick up anything that I might say. That wasn't my first attempt, okay? I mean, I'm already putting on the facade of false strength and feeling a little insecure about this. All right, I'm going to go for it. Okay, I got to tell you, they just lowered all the tension. Okay, (laughs) that was so easy. Because uh, I'm only telling you the truth because I'm in church, because I'd rather not. Um, <laughs> last night, I, I did it for the first time, and they said, hey, it's all in the technique, Carrie. Just, you know, it's all about your technique. I go, well, that's really encouraging since I've never even done it before. I'm sure I'm going to have great technique out there. And so I all in the technique, and it went up about halfway. It was humiliating, humiliating. So 
I asked them if they could lower the tension a little bit, make it a little easier, and so now if you just barely touch it, it goes right to the top. It's awesome. And I say that because some of you guys are going to go out there to the ones that are set right, you know? And some of you big muscle guys are going to go out there, you're going to hit it with all your might, and it's just going to go about halfway, and you're going, man, Pastor Kerry is so strong. And that's what I wanted you to think, but I came under conviction as I was walking back to the podium. So uh, I share it with you. Hey, but the reality is, I, you, all of us guys, we want to feel strong, and that's a desire that's given to us by God, a divine desire. But I have to say that I'm insecure, and I have fears, and I feel weak a lot of the times, and I feel like I just don't have what it takes. But what I'm finding is real strength is admitting that, and it's taking off the facade of false strength and admitting my weakness so that I can find Christ's strength, which is real strength. We're going to look today in Scripture at the strongest one who ever walked on this earth as he walks on water, and we're going to focus in, though, on Simon Peter because he shows us here what it means to be a strong man. So I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. And would you stand in honor of God's word? And we'll start with Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 24. Just follow along with me. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Dear God, I thank you that you are God. I'm not. And Lord, I pray that you would just reveal that truth to all of us today. We know it, Lord, just like the disciples already knew it when they were in the boat, but you reminded them and they needed to experience it. You're God and I'm not, Lord, and you have the power to control the wind and the waves. And so I pray today for everyone within the sound of my voice, all those worshiping with us through our broadcast or online ministry, wherever they are in the world, all those at our satellite campuses, everyone here, the Woodlands campus, that you would just speak to our hearts in such a way that you would show us what real strength is and how we can take off that facade and admit our insecurities, fears, and weaknesses and turn to you to find real strength. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, and I want to underline the last phrase, what the disciples said after they saw Jesus walk on water and how he stopped the storm and calmed the wind and the waves. They said, you really are the Son of God. You really are the Son of God. And Jesus goes, yeah, I've been trying to tell you that. Uh, I don't really need you to affirm it, but yes, I am the Son of God. 
what, what they were saying. I, I know they knew he was the son of God. They were in the, the boat and they knew, but yet they were reminded and they experienced it again because they were trying to control that storm and they realized they couldn't control that storm. And then they realized that Jesus, the son of God, was the only one who could control the wind and the waves. And they surrendered again to say, I'm not God, you are God. And they worshiped him. And so the secret to real strength is to surrender control to God. It's to daily surrender control to God. It's to admit I'm not God, I'm powerless to try to control the things in my life that I try to control. I try to control my image, I try to control my problems, I try to control my circumstances, I try to control other people, I try to control my pain, but I really can't control it. And I have to admit, I'm not God though, I've been trying to be, trying to be the general manager of the universe and control everything, but I can't control everything, so I give up to the one who is God and say, God, I commit today Commit me to your care and control because I can't control anything. I need you. And that's what real strength is. It's saying, real strength is admitting your weaknesses and saying, God, I need your strength. The problem is, to get to that place, God usually has to send a storm into my life. For me to get to that place where I remember I'm not God, he's God, that everything's out of my control, but he's the one in control, God has to send me into a storm. In the passage just before that we read, Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake without him. And so Jesus, who is God, knows the weather, and he knows he's sending the disciples right into a storm. See, Jesus knew what they were thinking, and it must have been that, you know, he knew they followed him, and they were following him and giving their lives for him, but yet they were still trying to control some areas of their lives. They still thought they had some things under control. They still thought they were strong enough to control. So he says, I'm gonna send you into a storm without me and see if you can control that. I'm gonna show you that you can't control everything and you need to place everything under my control. So he intentionally sends them into a storm without him. See, God loves us so much that when we're trying to control things and we're trying to be God, be the general manager of the universe and wear a facade of false strength and he will send us into a storm that we cannot control so that we can see the one who is in control so that we'll surrender to him and find real strength. Well, let's look at verse 24. It says, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. So they were in the middle of the lake when the storm came up and there's no place for them to go for safety. There was no safe harbor. They lost all their security. And sometimes God will allow a storm into our lives to wash away all the things that we're placing our trust in so that we're left with the only one who never changes, who will never let us down. The only one that we can really put our trust in. Verse 24, the second part of the verse says, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Underline the words strong wind and heavy waves. The disciples were experienced and strong sailors. I mean, they'd been through many storms on the Sea of Galilee. They probably thought they'd seen it all and they could really handle any storm because they'd handled so many storms before without their boat sinking. But this storm was different. This storm was too strong for their experience. This storm was 
too strong for their strength. This storm was too strong for them to make it through. The waves were too heavy to keep the boat afloat. And when you're depending on your own strength and when you're trying to control everything, you can rest assured you will eventually be hit by a storm that's too strong for you to control. Maybe right now everything's going great. Maybe right now it feels like that you got things in control, but you really don't. But I can guarantee you this, there will come a day, there will come a day when you will be faced with a storm that's too strong for you. A storm too strong for you to control, a burden too heavy for you to bear. Maybe it'll be the storm of addiction where you just can't break free. Maybe it's a storm of betrayal where your heart has been so torn apart that you just can't put it back together. Maybe it's a storm of grief, a storm of loss, but eventually there will come a storm where you will realize that storm is too strong for you. Those waves are too heavy and that your boat is going to sink. God will allow that kind of storm because he loves us so much. The truth is we need God on sunny days as much as we need him on stormy days. We just don't realize it when the sun is shining most of the time. And we miss out on his real strength. And so the disciples, it says in that passage, were fighting the heavy wind. They were fighting the strong wind and the strong waves. They were still fighting. They still thought they were strong enough to control this. They were fighting. And some of you are still fighting right now. You're still trying to control. You're still trying to fix that situation, control that circumstance. You're still trying to turn it around and you're saying, you know what, I, I, I got it. It's gonna be okay. I'm gonna fix this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna straighten this thing out. I'm gonna do it. I, I'm gonna, I can control it. I got it under control. But the boat of your life is being dashed against the rocks and it's disintegrated already and you're sinking and you don't see it and you're going, I got it under control. And you don't see it. That's denial. You don't see it. You're still fighting the wind and the waves that are just too strong for you. When you have the one who's stronger than the wind and the waves, who created them and who can calm them with a word. You see, God allows storms that are too strong for us to come into our lives so that we'll turn to the one who's stronger than the storm. And that's where some of you are at right now. You're realizing, like the disciples, too strong for me. I need God. And you're gonna find real strength. You're on the verge of a miracle. You're gonna find real strength. But I, I want us to focus in on Simon Peter because he, he's the one that this is, you know, really turns to, that, that I really want you to see. Everything here starts to change when Jesus enters the storm. And so look at verse 26. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. They had no idea who it was. They didn't recognize him. The verse earlier says it was about three o'clock in the morning. The storm hit in the middle of the night. They couldn't see anything at three o'clock in the morning. There's no visibility, and sometimes God allows a storm to come into our lives where we can't really see what God is up to, and we just learn that we can trust him in spite of how we feel or what we can see. It's like, God, I don't like this. I don't get it. It makes no sense. I don't see you in this at all, but I know you know what's best for me because God wants us to learn to trust him rather than our feelings, to walk in faith in spite of our fears. Jesus, though, enters the storm. Jesus 
comes to them in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night, on the middle of the lake, and they don't recognize him at first. They didn't recognize Jesus coming to them in the storm because they didn't expect Christ to come to them in the storm, and neither do we. Now, we expect to experience God at church. We expect to experience God when we're having our quiet time reading our Bibles. We expect to experience God when we're worshiping and singing to him, but we don't expect to see Jesus in the storm. We don't expect to see Jesus show up in a business failure. We don't expect to see Jesus show up in a marriage problem. We don't expect to see Jesus show up in the middle of the dark cloud of depression. We don't expect to see Jesus in an illness. But we experience God the most in the storms of life because we have spiritual ADD and we forget, I'm not God and he is. And it's the storms of life where we have nothing else to turn to, where God reminds us of how strong and powerful he is. It's always been in the storms of my life that I've experienced God the most. It's been in the storm that I've experienced the Savior. It's been in the darkness that I've experienced Christ's love the brightest. Some of you are right in the middle of a storm right now and God is right there. You just didn't expect to see him in the storm. He's right there all the time if you're a Christ follower, but you just didn't expect to see him in the storm. He wants to do his greatest work in your life through the greatest problem of your life. In the greatest storm of your life, he wants to do the greatest miracle of your life. He wants you to experience him in the middle of the storm. Well, I want us to look at Simon Peter here because this is what it's all leading up to. Verse 28 and 29. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, Tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Underline that sentence, Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water. Now, all throughout the centuries, Peter's gotten a bad rap for having a lack of faith, for looking at the waves and then sinking. Theologians, Bible scholars, and and pastors have talked about it for a couple thousand years how Simon Peter had a lack of faith and he looked foolish because he got his eyes off Jesus, but that's not really the point. I mean, think about it for a moment. That's not surprising. He got his eyes off Jesus and started to sink. We do that all the time. What's astonishing to me is he got out of the boat. It's the part that he got out of the boat. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the lake, no one else did, but Simon Peter got out of the boat. It was, like, it was like Peter was saying, Jesus, I need you in my boat. I'm desperate without you. I don't, I'm not even gonna wait for you to come to the boat. I'm gonna come to meet you. I need you. And here's the point. If you wanna walk on water, you gotta get out of the boat. You gotta get out of the boat. Tell that to the person next to you. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Kick them out of the boat. If you're gonna walk on water, you gotta get out of the boat. You gotta get out of the boat of safety, the boat of comfort, the boat of your pride, the boat of your feelings. You gotta get out of the boat. I mean, think about it. Simon Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. That's the big deal. The others stayed in the boat. The others were like me. I mean, it's like, good thing, Peter, that's great. You, good for you. It's good for you. I'll take my chances in the boat without Jesus. They're not very good, but um, yeah, you go walk on water. Hope it works out for you. I mean, think about it. He got out of the boat. 
And here's the big point. If you follow Jesus, you've gotta be willing to look foolish. If you're gonna follow Jesus, you've gotta be willing to look like a fool. You see, you can follow the crowd and end up empty. You can follow Jesus and look like a fool to the crowd, but you'll find fulfillment. You gotta get out of the boat to walk on water. And here's the secret, really, to the Christian life. Wherever Jesus is, follow him. Wherever Jesus is, just follow him. If it means walking on water, just follow him. Keep looking to Jesus, keep looking to Jesus, keep looking to Jesus, keep taking steps of faith and follow him, one step at a time. Now, sometimes the steps seem bigger than others, but it's really just one step at a time. That seemed like a really big step when he stepped out of the boat onto the water, but it's just one step. It's always one step of faith. One step of faith, and he took that step, and he stepped onto the water, and he started walking on the water toward Jesus. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you can't be afraid to look like a fool. If you're going to follow Jesus, you can't be afraid to lose your reputation. You can't be afraid to look like a fool. So many times we're looking for the approval of others rather than just following Jesus. And when you spend your life trying to please others, trying to find the approval of others, you miss out on your purpose in life. Everyone else would be glad to tell you what you need to do with your life, but there's only one who loves you enough to tell you the truth, that if you follow him, you'll find your life. We're always trying to find God's will for our lives. We're always trying to find God's purpose. Which path should I take? If you follow Jesus, the path will take hold of you. If you follow Jesus, the path will find you. You don't have to find the right path. You follow Jesus, the path will find you. And it may mean walking on water. It may mean you look like a fool to some folks, but you will be a fool for Christ, and you will be full of fulfillment in your life. And so Peter starts walking on the water here, and I want you to underline the phrase, it's really a prayer, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Now, when you say something to Jesus, it's a prayer. So this was Peter's first prayer in this passage. His first prayer is, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. What a prayer. How did he even think to pray something like that? God, if it's you, tell me to come to you, and I'm going to walk on the water. That's what I call a walking on the water prayer. Chris and I always host the senior high school Bible study. Every year, the last couple of Bible studies they have before the end of the year, we host it at our house, and we you know, grill, and we have fun, and we, you know, we just love being with them, but we always want to give them a charge before they go off to college, before they go into the workforce. And, and so I shared with them this passage, and I said, Peter had this walking on water kind of prayer, and what is your walking on water prayer? Where it's something that never been done, something that you've never done, something you know is impossible, something you think, no, that can't be of God, it's too impossible, but it's that walking on water prayer. If you'll just pray, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you, and I will, whatever it means, whatever it means, whatever people think about me, whatever it means, if it's really you, you tell me to come to you, and I will come to you one step at a time in faith, and I'll follow you. I said, what is your walking on water kind of prayer? Something you think, no, there's no way that could ever happen. No way God could ever do that in my life. That walking on water prayer, and they wrote it down, 
And I said, you, you may pray it. And God says, no, that's not where I want you to go. I want you to go over here, something better and greater for you. But he wants you to be willing to pray the walking on water prayer. And so we took those prayers and we put them in an envelope. And next year, we're going to send them to them just to remind them of it. Just to remind them. What is your walking on water prayer? Do you dare to believe God enough to pray that? God, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, even if it means walking on water. Whatever it means, tell me to come to you. Even if it means stepping out in faith and having no backup. Even if it means failure. You know, a lot of times people say, well, if I really follow God and really go for what God's put in my heart, I know I'm, I mean, I may fail. Well, what if I fail? People always ask me, if I follow God's will, what if I fail? What if I, what if I, I always say, what do you mean if? You're going to fail. You're going to get your eyes off Jesus at times, and you're going to start to sink. That's not surprising. That's going to happen, but you just turn back to him, and he'll never let you drown. Sure, you're going to fail at times, but you got to get out of the boat, and you got to risk rejection, risk failure, risk the approval of others, risk your reputation, and you step out of the boat and into life, life in its fullness. So Simon Peter, he moves from being focused on himself to being focused on Christ, and he was willing to look like a fool in front of all the other disciples. He was willing to look like a fool. I I love that. And real strength is to admit your weakness and risking. And some of you men today, you need to risk being the spiritual leader of your home. You say, I just feel kind of awkward about that. Who cares? Get over it. I know some men who feel awkward hugging their kids or complimenting their kids or bragging on their kids. And it's like they need that. So you get over it. Step up and be a man. We men, we want to hide our faults and sins and get over it. Admit it. Your kids know it anyway. Get over it. Some of you guys need to say, hey, family, I may not be the most spiritual one, but we're going to be in church every week because I'm going to lead us spiritually, and it's so important. It's more important than the ball games. It's more important than all our activities. It's more important than everything. We're going to, church is a priority. And, and some of you men, it's like it's time for you to step out in faith and put God first in your finances. So your kids can see that he's first in your life because if he's not first in your finances and your time and your schedule, who are we kidding? To say, God, you're first. I give you the first 10%. I step out in faith and I trust you. And as long as you get your eyes off Jesus, you go right back. God, I trust you again. I step out in faith and I trust that you're gonna see me through, that you're gonna provide like you said. You see, to really find your purpose, you've got to step out of the boat and follow Jesus, to put him first in your life and follow him. So Peter steps out of the boat, and the key is you've got to get your focus on Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of times Christ followers start focusing on those weaknesses and sins and broken. Well, I'm just a sinner. I can't do anything right. God can't use me. Instead of admitting our sins and brokenness and weakness, and, and then shifting our focus to God's power. That's why Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not about what you can't do, it's about what God can do in you and through you. God, I admit my weaknesses that I'm powerless without you, but thank you that you're in my boat. Thank you. 
that I have you. Thank you that you have the power to control the wind and the waves. And so I'm not gonna focus on what I can't do. I'm gonna focus on what you can do, God. And that's why it's important to be in church to worship because worship is just surrendering to God by focusing on him. And when you focus on God through worship, what happens? Your problems get real small. You get a perspective. You get God's perspective on your problems. You see the strong wind and the strong waves that are hitting your life, and that's what just consumes you. And so many times, you know, that'll hit me. And then, and I'm like, God, I'm just overwhelmed. I can't do this. And then I worship. And then I realize how big and great God is, and my problem gets so small. When I focus on how strong the winds are and the waves are, then I forget how that God is stronger than the wind and the waves. Verse 30, it says, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. He stopped focusing on how strong Christ was, but he looked at the strong wind and the waves. The interesting thing is, it says that when he saw the wind, you can't see wind, but you can see what it does. He's looking at all the circumstances around him. Those waves are over his head. And he starts noticing those and he gets his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. And there'll be many times in your life where you get your eyes off Jesus and you start to sink. And it just reminds me that I need Jesus and his strength every minute of my life. Here's your true situation. You might wanna write this down. I don't know anything about you, but I know your true situation right now. You're dependent upon God for your next breath. You're just as dependent on God in your greatest day as you are on your hardest day. We just don't realize it. And so when we get our eyes off Jesus, we're sunk every minute of every day. And so God will remind you. But I say, so what that Peter started to sink? He walked on water. So what that Peter started to sink just gave him another opportunity to be rescued by the Savior? So what that you've started to sink because you got your eyes off Jesus? Just turn to him again and let him rescue you and get you back on track. Romans 8, 38 says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. That's the reason why I can risk failure. That's the reason why I can risk getting out of the boat. That's the reason why I can risk my reputation. That's the reason why I can risk the approval of others because I have a love that never fails. So what that Peter started to sink? So what that Peter failed? He just gave another opportunity to reach out to the one who'll never fail. So what that Peter started to go under? It just gave him another opportunity to experience the fact that he has a love that will never fail him. And it's God's love. Because the God of the universe loves me completely, I can risk loving you even if you reject me. Because the God of the universe loves me completely, I can risk stepping out of the boat even if I sink, even if I fail, because he still loves me completely. And nothing can separate me from God's love. Look at this next verse, verse 29. The first prayer Peter prayed was a really powerful prayer, walking on water prayer. The next one was what I call a 911 prayer. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Not a lot of spiritual flowery, great words, like, oh, Lord, thou art in heaven. Please bestowest upon me salvation in this time of drowning. Now, he didn't say anything like that. He just, save me, Lord, and that's a really powerful prayer. I pray that all the time, almost every day when I start to drown and sink, when I get my eyes off Jesus. Save me, Lord. I'm powerless. You're the powerful one. 
You see, God will allow you to sink so you realize you need him to save you. Will you risk looking like a fool to follow Jesus Christ? You'll never find your purpose until you risk looking like a fool to follow Jesus. But you won't be the fool. Be everyone that stays in the boat and never experiences the thrill of walking on the water. And so many men just stay in the boat of safety, the boat of pride, the boat of comfort, and they never experience their purpose in life. And that boat comes in the harbor pretty quickly. And most men go through their entire lives without ever really stepping out of the boat. Without ever really stepping out of the boat of other people's approval, the boat of their pride, the boat of comfort, and they come to the end of their life and it's over. And they've never really lived. I love the, the words of Teddy Roosevelt that you've probably heard many times, the man in the arena. He says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by the dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error, and who at best knows the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. I love that. I don't want to stay in the boat. I want to get out of the boat even if I sink. I want to get out of the boat. I want to follow Jesus with all my heart. That's my deepest desire. And I just challenge men today. Some of you men need to step out in faith and sink into the baptism waters to show that Christ is in your life, that you love him. We had our super summer baptism last weekend. It was huge. I think it was one of the most powerful ones we've ever had. So much life change. So many men, husbands and dads and single men stood up to say, I'm gonna follow God with all my heart. It was amazing. Look at this last verse. Because this last verse really says it all. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why'd you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. They realized he was God and they weren't and they worshiped him. And that's the secret. Worship is the secret to surrender. When you worship God, what you're really doing is saying, God, I'm focused on you and I'm gonna follow you because you are the only strong man and I'm weak, but you are strong and I can do all things through your strength. Some of you men need to step up and be the spiritual leader of your home. You say, my wife is more spiritual than me. It doesn't matter. You step up and you lead spiritually. You encourage your kids. So some of you need to follow Christ in baptism, and next week we're having super summer baptism too. And you can sign up for that. And I know many of you didn't get to be at the baptism next weekend, and next weekend, or last weekend, so next weekend is your weekend. It's gonna be amazing. Some of you need to just put God first in your finances. You've never done that. Time to put your money where your mouth is. Some of you need to put God first in your schedule. Some of you need to put God first in your business because you're like the disciples. You think you can control your business. God, you, you do the spiritual stuff, I'll do the business stuff. God knows more than you about every area of your life. Put him first. I want us to do something right now. I want us to stand and I want us to sing and worship. I want us to worship and sing a song called Whole Heart because 
I, I feel like so many times we men want to protect our broken hearts and our insecure hearts and our fearful hearts with a facade of false strength when all we need to do is admit our brokenness to God and let him heal our whole heart. Let's worship him. And let's say to God, I'm weak, but you are strong. And as you worship him, just watch some of the baptism last weekend. It was amazing. All these people going into the water to say, Christ died, was buried, rose again. He's alive in my life. And I want everyone to know it. Sing it to him, this whole heart, as you're surrendered to him right now. And watch God fill you with his strength. Feel the strength that God is going to, to envelop your life with right now. If you'll bring your weakness to him, let's just sing it to him. Let's bow together. Lord, thank you that your grace holds us. And, and I, I just pray for everyone today whose heart is breaking, hurting, everyone who feels insecure and weak, like they're, they don't have what it takes, everyone who feels like they're not enough, that you would just help us all turn to you. And I pray especially, Lord, for those who've never received you into their life, that this would be their time and they would pray this prayer to you silently as if they're the only one in this place. They would say, Jesus Christ, I need you in my boat. I need you desperately, so I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of all my sins. As best I know how, I just take a step of faith and trust you for my salvation and my eternity and ask you to be the Lord of my life. Help me keep my eyes on you and follow you. And Lord, I pray for men today that you would help us step up and risk feeling awkward, risk, Lord, losing the approval of others to be a fool for you, Lord Jesus, so we can find true life. Help us, Lord Jesus, to step up, to be fully alive, who you call us to be, following you with our whole heart. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Happy Father's Day, Woodlands Church. Go out there and have some fun and stay dry and thank God that he loves you. God bless you and we love you too. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.